This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 434. And the quote of the day is, we are all connected to each other, biologically, to the earth, chemically, to the rest of the universe, atomically. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's happening? This is Nick. This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast. If you dig the episodes, if you dig the podcast, if you get value from it, do me a favor and leave a rating or review on iTunes. And that just lets people know about the podcast and it shows up higher in the search results and it shows that it's a reliable source of good quality drumming and life content. So do that. Just go to iTunes. It takes a minute to do. It's free. And if you want to help really support the podcast, you can donate monthly. You can donate $3 or $5 or 10 or 20 or as much as you want. And just go to drummersresource.com forward slash support. That'll redirect you to, it's called Patreon. And, and there's uh, prizes, not prizes, but there's there's things on there. There's gifts and stuff if you if you donate at a certain level and all that. So check it out. It's drummersresource.com forward slash support. Now, this I'm super, super excited about this conversation. It's with Cindy Blackman Santana, and she is Carlos Santana's wife. But long before that, she she's one of my favorite drummers. She's always she always has been one of my favorite drummers. And she, where I found out about her is her work with Lenny Kravitz. She played with Lenny Kravitz for uh, since like the nineties. And she, but she is so, she's so talented in many different areas. And then, you know, she's been playing with Santana. She's put out a bunch of records under her own name and she is a force. I'm telling you, she is, for those of you who don't know too much about her work, you're missing out and you got to check it out. And I saw her years ago at PASIC. I've been listening to her, like I said, with Lenny Kravitz. Uh, I've seen her live a bunch of times and, and just, I've been trying to line this up for a long time and it took me about two years to line up this interview. So I am super pumped to get it out there to you. And she did not disappoint as I knew she would not. So sit back, relax and learn yourself something from Cindy Blackman. Cindy, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am fantastic. I got to tell you, I've been wanting to have you on this podcast for a very, very long time. And so I want one, I want to thank you for for doing this. And I want to thank Aaron, who I think she, I think Aaron and I've been going back and forth for about a year and a half, maybe even longer to uh, to try to make this happen. So shout out to Aaron for for connecting us. Yeah, absolutely. And thank both of you. Of course, of course. Uh, I, there, you've done so many things in your career, but I should start. Uh, I think I, I want to start just telling you a little bit about how I came to know you and your drumming years ago. Uh, I knew you through through the stuff that you were doing with uh, with Lenny Kravitz, and I remember walking into a drum store and there was a the, a video playing on the monitor, and I was like, "Oh man." I said, that's Cindy Blackman. I said, I had no idea that she played all these other styles and everything. And, and it was your DVD at the time. And I was completely blown away. And it opened me up to the idea that, oh, you can do, you can play more than one style of music. You don't have to be like pigeonholed into, into one thing. 
And for you, that was always your, that was always like the goal for you, wasn't it? To be, to be a virtuoso, to be, to be able to play anything and have total master and total or mastery and control of the instrument. A virtuoso. Absolutely. That's, that's my goal. It's, it's been my goal. It's still my goal because I love, um, I love drumming. I love music and I have such a respect for the instrument. Um, what is done in music, what it, what it's, uh, come from in life in terms of it, you know, the drum being a communication, uh, device, Mm -hmm. I'll call it, um, is just, you know, so completely highly regarded, uh, from me. It's, it's, it's a, it's a real honor to be in this seat. So I want to be, um, the best and better than I even think that I can be so that I honor that position. Sure. And was that, have you always felt, I mean, you felt that way at a very young age. Cause I know that, that you started playing really young. You were just the, I, I read the story that you were sort of on your way to use the bathroom at someone's house and you saw a drum set and just sat behind it and started playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, that's true, right? <laughs> I did. Yeah. And you know, I, I actually was getting drums prior to that. Um, but I would get the little toy paper cardboard drum kits, the little Sears and Robux uh, Beatles kits, and mm-hmm. I call it a Beatles kit because it had a picture of the Beatles on on the on the front drum head. Oh, cool! Um, I would get those, but they would last about a day. So that incident that you're talking about was my f- very first experience with actually playing a a a real drum set. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so from then, you know, it was really an innocent and I'll say very innocent because I was so young love for the instrument. You know, I would listen to my dad's record collections and, uh, the, he had a lot of jazz records and the instrument that always stood out to me the most was, was the drums. I thought that the role of the drums, the sound of, of the drums, uh, the way that they intermingled in the music to me was always a standout, you know, in, in my mind and in, into my ears. So that instrument always called me, you know, mm-hmm. were your parents uh, musicians? You know, my, my dad was, um, an avid listener. He loved music and, and every day of his life, he listened to, to music, to jazz. He loved it. And my mom, um, when she was younger, she played violin, um, and she apparently was quite an excellent violinist. Um, she began having children at, at a young age, ended up with four little babies, and so she she didn't continue her, her career. Um, she's now picking up the harp. She's getting ready to play. She's taking harp lessons now. Interesting. I've always yeah. thought that's an that's an amazing instrument and an amazingly difficult instrument to play. Yeah, it's beautiful, and and uh, I, I'm so glad she's doing that because it's it's got such a a unique vibration and, and such a um, celestial vibration that instrument, you know. So um, I'm I'm really happy that she's she's taking that up uh, at this point. Her mom was a, was a, um, in fact, both my grand grandmothers, uh, played piano. Um, my dad's mom played in the church and as did my mother's mother, she played, um, piano and organ in the church, but she was 
um, a, a very proficient uh, classical pianist. She was really a great musician. Um, my uncle played um, uh, the vibraphone. Uh, he played acoustic guitar. He sang. So there have been, you know, some some really incredible musicians in my immediate family. And then I have some cousins who who have, you know, have and do play instruments. My older sister was a singer. Um, so I, I got to, to experience her doing that. Um, after me, my younger sister picked up, uh, guitar and piano and, and she sings as well. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all around in our family. So it was a really very natural, uh, I say progression for, for me, mm-hmm. you know? And the reason why I asked that, I always wonder, is it, is it a, I, I think everyone is born with a certain amount of talent and then you have to develop that talent into a skill. But do you think that because you're, you have musicians who were in your family or you had musicians in your family, does that sort of trickle down into the other people of the family? Like, is it a, do you think it's a natural thing or do you, or do you think the people who had musicians in their family are better off than maybe someone who didn't have musicians in their family? I always wonder if it's a, if it's a, if it's, it's sort of like the nature versus nurture kind of thing. You know, it, it can certainly be a help, but it definitely does not uh, depict um, or decide what you will do if music is calling you. And there was music in my family, certainly, and that was an influence on me because it just, as I said, it felt like a natural progression. But I was so young that I would say that the drums called me, you know, music called me because I was about three years old when I started asking for drums, not knowing what that meant. I just wanted to play them. And my mom said that when I was born, um, I was always tapping out rhythms anywhere. If I was harnessed to her back, she said I would tap on her back, huh. you know, find the spots that she said it was interesting because I would find the spots that hollowed and, and made a, made a, made a sound, made a tone. And then mm-hmm. I would go for mm-hmm. those spots. So, you know, I was, I was too young to know because I was an infant, you know, right. and, and starting to ask at three for drums, I was also too young to know. So I would say that there's a certain amount of music calling the person. Um, I think that if there's music in the family, it's a big help because then somebody uh, older than you or somebody around you, somebody guiding you understands what you're doing and is very well able to support that. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that, you know, as long as there is the first thing, the understanding, uh, then somebody who's a non-musician can support you in that too. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I, I think it can work uh, both ways. It's always interesting to me when really young children, you know, two, three years old. And I, I see it now with my, I have a nephew who started playing drums when he was three. He still plays now. He's, he's, uh, almost five, but but how I I love seeing how little children begin, like you said, tapping on things, and they start hearing because rhythm is such an innate thing, and and maybe it's because of you know because of the heartbeat that we heard when we were when we were in the womb, or it's a connection to the earth, and and you know I I, I understand why young children are naturally born to or are drawn to it and some more than others. It's just an in- interesting phenomenon of, of how children 
very early on are playing rhythms and all these like they're not picking up a guitar and playing chords but tapping out rhythms and and hearing those different patterns and things like that it seems like it's naturally in us on some level which is like i don't know not to go too far out but it almost feels like it's like this universal sort of thing that we all have and maybe some are just more drawn to it than others if that makes any sense at all Oh, no, absolutely. It certainly is, you know, it certainly is naturally inherent. Um, I think in, in, uh, the human spirit, um, if you look at the, the cradle of civilization, which is Africa, um, the drum, um, you, you know, the voice you say, you have to say is the first instrument because we're born with a voice box. You know, so we can sing and we can speak and we can talk. But after that, the next instrument was the drum. And that was a method and mode of communication. Um, that's that communication, the back and forth, um, the trading, the, the call, the response, the answering. That's where the blues comes from, you know, mm-hmm. um, and those rhythms um, to me, uh I mean, we can talk about musically, you know, where that went, uh, um, the, the, the backbeat, the two and four that we developed here comes from the six, eight. Um, but if you look at the universe and if you look at the cosmos, if you look at what uh, the essence of that is and what it's made of is mathematical, you know, and mm-hmm. really our, our, our math, basically. So to me, that's why I say it's it's very natural and certainly uh, inherent in the in human spirit, because that's where we come from. Sure. I always wonder how we've sort of gone in a different I don't want to say a different direction, but in the, in. You know, in Africa and even even early on in this country, we were using drums to communicate. And then it seems like once it became popular music now we're in this era where we're playing drums to make noise and to play rhythms and people are having a hard time actually communicating with the drums or or are using having a hard time using the drums as a as a way of of speaking or expressing themselves they're just saying okay this is a a a quote-unquote lick or this is a beat or this is a and it and it's not a form of communication anymore do you see that in in drumming or is it maybe it's just me in some circles i do you know in some circles i see that with drumming and i see that with with music and i see that with with life you know i think that as um, a human species, we, we go through changes and we go through different ways of learning. We go through different um, types of expression. And as technology advances and as, um, you know, we, we find different ways to learn, we sometimes forget the organic you know, we sometimes forget the reason for things. It becomes a, 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 a quest to be the fastest or a quest to, you know, um, do this or that or whatever technically, you know. Um, 
But when it gets to that, you know, we just have to sit back and say, well, hey, wait a minute. This is an organic instrument. And what was the original purpose of this instrument? You know, where's the love in the instrument? If you look at um, a computer or if you look at a robot, there's no love in that thing unless you put it in there. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's no love in the music unless you put it there. There's no heart in the music unless you put your heart into it. So if you learn music by just pushing buttons and it's all, you know, an electronic, I'm going to call it simulation. Mm -hmm. It's not going to have any of what we just talked about. It's not going to have any of the love. It's not going to have any of that organic feel. It's not going to have any, um, sense of, of the human quest to, to create from, you know, a, an organic loving perspective, it will have the technology and that's all great. But, you know, to me, there needs to be a balance. Technology is fantastic. I love it. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be a balance between the essence of life and the progression of the technical and the essence of life is love. So when we, in my estimation, so when we mix, uh, the love with the technical, then we can come up with something that's really incredible because it will have substance, mm -hmm. but we lack the love. Then the, to me, the technical has no substance. Right. And I see people using the technology as a replacement instead of as an aid and, and saying, you know, saying, okay, well, I don't need to, I don't need to have all this, this emotion and love and communication and all that stuff because that's the human element. I can just do that. I can just replicate that on a computer. And, and I'm like, well, you can't do that. But I think that you can, use, like you said, you can use the technology and have that balance and use it as an aid rather as a replacement for the, for the human, for the human element. There is no replacement for the human element. Right. So you know, when you think that there is and when you try to, to make a replacement for the human element, for the love, and if you say you want to replace love, then to me, you're trying to replace God because God is love and God is where we come from. We are sparks of the divine. There's no replacement for that. Mm -hmm. So when you do that, again, in my estimation, you know, and I don't. I, it, love is love. It doesn't matter whether your path to that is Buddhism, whether your path to that is uh, uh, Islamic, you know, whether your path to that is Christianity, whether your path to that is the Baha'i faith, whether your path to that is, is whichever is a true and positive path. It doesn't matter which one because they all lead to, to the source, you know, mm -hmm. It, what matters is which one speaks to you, which one ignites your heart, which one makes you be the best and most loving individual that you can be. Mm -hmm. But if we minus that out, if we zero that out, then, you know, we just have scraps of metal that, you know, don't mean anything. Right. Exactly. It's it's interesting. I had this conversation the other day. A, a very good friend of mine came to visit and his wife is studying to be a shaman. And we, and he was like, you know, I don't necessarily agree w with the path, but I do 
agree with the spirituality of it. And I said the same thing. I said, yeah, it doesn't, we were sort of saying exactly what you're saying. It doesn't matter what the path is. You know, if you, if you're spiritually, if you're a strong person and you do the right things and you treat people the right way and you love one another, then to use your words, like it all goes back to the source. All right. And I, I strong, I'm glad that you're, that you're saying all this, especially me just having this conversation that it's, it's it's important to to keep that stuff in mind obviously in in life but also in drumming too because i think that i think that that helps with the self expression i help it i think it helps with the the communication on the instrument as a whole um but so what about what advice would you have for people who are who are sort of struggling to make that that connection because I've, I, and I felt that sometimes behind the kit before where I don't necessarily feel like I'm saying something or I don't necessarily feel like I'm communicating or, or expressing myself. I just feel like I'm playing a beat. Well, you know, um, I would say that the thing to do is go within yourself and feel something that matters to you and play that. You know, I used to um, equate playing really soft, delicate brushes to me um, rubbing the face of a beautiful infant, rubbing the face of my beautiful nieces or my nephews when they were, you know, first born, um, rubbing my mom's face, rubbing my dad's face, you know. Um, mm. So go, I would say go to a place that touches your own heart space that you can feel. And when, when you can feel it and it's a different place for everybody and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy seeing, uh, light in something that someone else sees light in. So for, for you, maybe the heart space is going to be your puppy, you know, may, for, for someone else, maybe the heart space is going to be, um, a sunset that they saw or, you know, a flower or, you know, their child or, or this or that or whatever it is, you know, but go to that space and feel something, you know, um, one of the most incredible things that I was ever told, and I never forgot it when I was in the Jackie McLean band, uh, I was great alto saxophonist, um, passed on some years ago, but I played with him very early in my career. And, uh, he said, you know, when you play with, with, with my band, play it like it's your band, own it like it's yours. And I thought, wow, that's right. I mm. need to just mm. own this like it's mine. And so every band that I played in after that, whether, <clears throat> excuse me, whether I was just playing a beat or whether I was expressing, you know, uh, uh, something or interjecting or whatever. Um, I own that like it's mine. Mm -hmm. You know, I own it mm -hmm. like it came from my heart, whether it did or not. But if I'm going to fully put myself into it, then to me, that's what uh, makes it come out um, in a very natural and Cindy way. Right. So everybody right. has to find that space for themselves so that uh, the music comes out 
in that way. So if I, if I, if I play with somebody, I don't care who it is. I own it like it's mine. And I don't mean that as a, as a, as an affront to the band leader, because I completely respect that position. I'm a band leader too, you know, so I love it when, when musicians, um, take ownership, but also respect that it's my band. So I, I, I give that same respect to anybody that I'm, I'm playing with, um, and working with, but it's that kind of, um, ownership, that kind of effort, that kind of, uh, feeling that kind of love that you put into it, that makes it yours, that makes it, uh, come out with incredible feeling as well as whatever else is involved in the music, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Do you approach, uh, say playing a straight ahead jazz gig to playing with Lenny to playing with Carlos? I mean, I understand that they're all different musical settings, but is there a different approach to each one of them? Or are you, are you sort of in the, in the same headspace when, when you go into all three of those gigs? I'm in the same headspace in terms of my ownership of mm-hmm. that, you know, and my ownership of whatever notes that I'm playing or not playing. But there definitely are different headspaces in terms of the, the type of music. Um, any situation um, is incredibly funky and incredibly rocking. You know, um, it's 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 not a situation where um you're interjecting whatever is on your mind and whatever you're thinking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that situation, I put myself within the, uh, guidelines, shall I say, or perspective that Lenny sees, you know, mm-hmm. and the chemistry was incredible. Cause I put me into that, I owned it like it was mine, but within what he was hearing. Mm-hmm. So my goal was to satisfy that music for what it needed. My goal in a, a creative jazz situation is to satisfy that music for what it needs. And in, in a creative jazz situation, um, there is a lot of freedom, controlled freedom. It's not just free where you're just playing milly nilly, willy nilly, whatever you you know, and it has nothing to do with <laughs> right. it, it. And that's a mistake that sometimes people make when they when they hear jazz. If they don't understand it, they think that there's nothing related. Well, that's not true, you know, because you're playing forms. I mean, certainly there are things that are quote unquote you can call them free, but as Deron Carter said. If you're playing off of a tonal center, if you're playing off of a, a rhythmic center, it's not free because you're you're respecting a core nucleus of something, mm-hmm. you know. So you're you're playing freely around that. You're playing freely within that. Right. If you're playing forms, you can play freely within and around the forms. You can stretch the forms. You can you can play freely. Uh, uh, within the the bar structure, whether it's a 12 bar, 32 bar, 15 bar, 8 bar, 9 bar, 22 bar, 50 bar form, whatever it is, you know, you can play within that form. You can stretch the form. 
You can play around it. You can play over and through the, the form. Um, so there are so many different ways to, to look at that and approach that. Um, and it's beautiful. And that's why that's my favorite music because there's, it's, it's emancipated music, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's so much room for you to speak, for you to not speak, you know, for you to say, for you to rest, for you to pause, for you to play. Um, and, uh, I love making that happen. And I love that situation, you know, with, with the Santana situation. And I'm naming these three, cause this is what you asked me. Um, Carlos has a, a lovely combination of a lot of different things because it's, it's, um, funky. There are rock elements. Last night we were playing some stuff that was so rocking. It was crazy. (laughs) Um, there are jazz elements in it. There are creative elements in it. So there are, 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 are points where you certainly are playing within the structure. Uh, there are points where you're able to be, um, interjective, uh, within the structure and around the structure. Um, and there are points that you're playing more freely within the music. So, and, and it's certainly energy packed. Um, so in any of those situations and in all of those situations, again, I just reiterate that I own them all like they're mine. And then I respect, um, the goal of each and I put myself, my heart, my intellect, my passion, my fire, and my energy into, uh, making all of them, uh, uh, fly and soar. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I asked specifically about those three situations is because I've seen you in all three of those situations and hearing you talk about it makes a lot of sense because I've always noticed that you have this attitude behind the kit. And I mean that in a very positive way, but you've always, every time I've seen you play, it's like, man, she just has this badass attitude. Like you're there to, in your words, to own it. And you do so much. So I remember seeing you at PASIC and what you had like a broken arm or a broken wrist and you did a, (laughs) you, you did a clinic with one hand. Right, I remember that. And owned it. Like, <laughs> owned it. I remember I was talking to my buddy next to me, and I was like, what? I was like, I can't do that with two hands, what she's doing with one. And, <laughs> but it, but it, it wasn't, I mean, what you played was great, but it was also the attitude, you were there to own it. And it was like, you're like, I don't care if I have one foot in here, like, I'm going to own it either way. So all of those settings, Hearing you talk about this this ownership of what you're playing all now totally makes sense because I'm like, okay, she's she's a badass and she shows it. Is that something that you developed over time? Is that a confidence thing or is that a a, a professionalism thing that or is it a, a mixture of the two? Like, did you always play like that? I think it's a thing that's all of that. And, you know, there was a certain amount of conviction that I think I always had in my heart anyway, because of the support that I, I got from home about Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. a drummer, you know, um, and because of who I am as a person, but certainly, um, 
with different experiences, that kind of attitude grew um, in me. Um, but it certainly was an inherent in, in just who I am, I feel. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to own something, you know, and, and it, and I, I carry that through life. It, it's, it's, it's about music, but it's also about the way I live too. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't live in a way that says, you know, I'm not putting both feet in, you know, and, and as my younger sister says, dang, Cindy, you, <laughs> you get into something, you put both feet in all the time. <laughs> I, I do because that's, that's who I am. You know, I, I can only be me and, and that's, that's Cindy. That's, that's who I am. So that's what I do. If I, if I'm in, I'm all in, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm your friend, I'm your friend for life. You know, I'm, I'm there thick and thin, you know, there has to be a whole lot done for me to dissuade from that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a person has to really <laughs> do something that's totally against my grain for me to, to not, uh, be that when I've committed to being that, you right. know? Right. Um, so for me, that's, that's, that's the way I live. And, you know, I'll tell you this incredible story that also influenced me um, because Art Blakey um, was <laughs> like my dad. I used to call him Papa and he called me his daughter. Uh, he told me this amazing story about an incredible drummer by the name of Buddy Rich. And he said that he wanted to go see Buddy play. Buddy was playing with with a with a like a, a dance troupe um, on Broadway mm-hmm. at this point. And he, Art said he went to see him. And the first thing you hear are the drums, but you don't see Buddy because he's he's on the basement level and the he gets elevated. You know, the drums, you know how they did in those old stages. They, they bring they bring the drum set up, bring the drum set up. Right. So they, the, the drum was coming up on, I guess, this elevator the riser was was rising and and it comes up and arts listening to all this drumming and he said he he's looking and you know the first thing that comes up you see the tip of the cymbals you know then you see buddy's head you know you you start to see all of the drum set and all of buddy and he said that his jaw dropped because one arm of buddy's was in a sling (laughs) (laughs) you know and so it's funny that you mentioned the Basic because when my hand got hurt and I couldn't play, I was like, oh man, I got this basic thing coming up. What am I going to do with that? I really want to do it. And I thought, wait a minute. Art told me that story about Buddy. I'm doing that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that was, that influenced me too. So, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of things along the way have, have helped guide and, and shape um, my, my attitude. Mm-hmm. I, I, I actually, I saw you that, that night after PASIC, you were sitting in the chair next to the bar and everyone was there. And, and I just came up to you briefly and I'm, I'm not expecting you to remember this, but I just said, Hey, I, you know, I really loved your, loved your clinic and, and I love your playing and everything. And I said, you know, one day I hope to be, to be doing what you do. And you looked at me and you said, with that attitude, you said, you keep working hard. And you could do anything. And I was like, thanks, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, right. and that was, I mean, that was a long time ago, you know, and from there that my, my career has been pretty good, so I can't complain. But, uh, but I, I always remember those, those words of encouragement. 
I love it. And you know what? It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, we talk about being who you are. That's the same thing I would say today. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, sort of the universe and how, how things happen. I think that it's, it's amazing. You know, f- however long ago that PASIC thing was, I, I think it was like, I don't know, f- almost 15 years ago or so. I never would have thought that I'd be running this podcast, you know, having a conversation with you. And it's always just interesting to me how certain things stick out in your head or stick out in your mind. And then here we are, you know, 15 years, 15 years later talking about it. I always think that that's cool. There's something there in the, in the universe that, that makes those sorts of things happen, which I think is really cool. Synchronicity. I love it. That's what it is. So I want to, I know that you've talked openly about some of the, um, some of the resistance that you had coming up as a drummer, as an African-American woman drummer in a sort of male dominated field. Um, what was some of that like for you and how did you, how did you sort of get over that? Or do you still feel that now? You know, uh, like I said, when I, when I first started playing, um, I never heard my parents or my immediate family say you shouldn't or can't play the drums cause you're a girl. My parents didn't say that. Um, mm-hmm. My parents said, well, we don't know if we're going to get you drums because they're expensive and they're loud. So <laughs> we're not sure that we're ready for that. And, you know, we can't afford it, mm-hmm. honestly. So um, I, you know, my family, we're from Ohio. And when we moved away from there, uh, we moved to Connecticut. And so our my parents were trying to get us into the lifestyle of, of Connecticut and the East coast. And, and they brought me some skis and, and, you know, <laughs> I was really into skis. is a long story, but I, 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 I was really I'm a into, skier. So I like this. I like this story. <laughs> I was, I was interested because I thought, Oh, that's really cool. I can, you know, I've never checked out skiing before. I'm, I'm from Ohio. We don't ski in Ohio. Right. You know? And, and, uh, I got the skis and I was, I had the, the poles, the goggles, I had the, the mask, I had the jacket, I had the boots, I had everything, you know, I was all into it. And I was watching the Olympics and I saw this downhill slalom and this woman wiped out and was from that instant paralyzed from the neck down. What? And that day was the last day I ever put on a set of skis. <laughs> I was like, nope. <laughs> I love drumming. I love being active. I am not. No, there's absolutely no way. I gave my skis away, and my parents were so upset because they spent money that they didn't really have wow. on getting me all the equipment. You know, so they were upset. And so when I started asking for drums, they said, "Well, you know what? What if you just give them away like you did the skis? Then we will have spent money that we don't have on something else for you, and we can't afford to do that." Mm-hmm. You're like, so no, 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 I, I'm not going to give them away. <laughs> well, I, I spent the next year, almost year and a half, begging for drums and, and daily convincing and trying to convince my parents that I was really into drums. I was not going to give them away. This was it for me, and that's what I wanted. And, you know, after that year and a half, they they got me my, my first student model drum kit, Um it wasn't a, a, a major like professional drum kit, but they got me, you know, a student model kit, which was great because then I had something that I could play. But it took that kind of tenacity that, you know, I had to have and had to develop in, in, 
in order to make them understand that that's really what I wanted to do. You know, mm-hmm. so that, I think I think that's what it takes. And that's that's basically where where, where it, it, it comes from. It's a willingness. It's a desire. It's a you know, I've got to have it. It's an ownership in your heart that this is where you are, what you want to do and and basically who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I and I, I, I I'm really grateful um, to the universe because I feel that I, I came here knowing that that's what I wanted to do before I, I knew what it took before I knew what a gig was or what a tour was. I just knew that I loved playing the, 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 the instrument, playing the drums. And so, you know, again, I I never heard from my parents anything other than, you know, uh, the expense or the volume or the, are you sure you're not going to give these away? I didn't, they never said you're a girl, you can't play. Right. And I didn't hear that until when I was 13, I did my first professional gig um, with a band. Um, Some friends of my sisters uh, were musicians um, in, in, in a neighboring town. This guy's name is Eli. He had a a trio, like a, a, a rock, a funk rock trio. And, he liked my playing. He wanted me to be the drummer. So I, I joined that band. And when we did our first gig, it was, it was in a bar in Hartford, Connecticut, I believe. And, um, I heard some chatter from some people in the audience. Well, you're not supposed to play. You're, you're a girl. Why are you playing drums? You know? And, and at first it, it hurt my feelings, but I, I, I went home and I got back on my drums. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I, I forgot all about, about what they said because, my love overrode my love for the drums overrode anybody else's comment. Right. And so, um, there has been that element, uh, and this is a kind of a long winded, but I think important way to get to what you asked. Um, there has been that element periodically, surely of naysayers. Um, but they never dampened, my love for the drums or my desire. And that's the important part. It's how you feel about the drums. And, and what I realized is that no matter what anybody else says, uh, I don't wake up to them. I don't even know them. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what they say, you know, and even if it was somebody who I, I did wake up to or was close to, if they did have ever anything negative to say about me being a drummer, I would dismiss it immediately because, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is certainly, uh, and has been, uh, levels of the boys club. Um, but I don't care about that. You know, <laughs> um, I think that rightly so, you know, I, I think that eventually this won't be a topic that we have to talk about. Right. It, unfortunately we, we, we still talk about it, but I think eventually as we grow as spirits, as we grow as human beings who are fully accepting and fully loving and, and non prejudicial, uh, beings, uh, in every way, uh, as we grow, we we won't have to talk about stuff like this. We won't have to talk about racial issues. We won't have to talk about gender issues. We won't have to talk about mass murders or spousal abuse or, you know, the negativities, um, that 
uh, currently exist in our societies. And when I'm is more- when is that going to happen? Because that's the world I want to live in. Um, that is the world know. I want to live in. <laughs> it's gonna, you know, when it's going to happen. It's going to happen when the collective majority makes a shift that it should not happen again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we all have to make that shift. It could happen in two seconds from now if we all make that that shift right. uh, collectively. But we have to make that. So since we we don't all think like that. Um, it's going to take a while, mm-hmm. and I don't know how long that's going to be. Right. Um, right. My my impetus in in this universe, in this uh, realm that we live in, is putting my energies into things that support that not happening and that not continuing. Right. Um, sure. And so I think that the more of us who do that the sooner we will reach that energy. And will it ever be the majority? Uh, maybe. That's probably going to be some centuries from now that it's the majority. I mean, that's that it's the whole. But as long as we can tip the, the scale and make it the majority, uh, then I believe we will see a significant change. It's always interesting to me how how well we actually get along given how many hundreds of millions or billions of people there are in this world, how we actually, I mean, by and large, we, we pretty much get along. Like it could be a lot worse than it is. Right. But that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it great. And I think that we have a long way to go, but I, but it always blows my mind. Like it could be total chaos and it's not, which is, which to me is a good sign because I think that, I think that humans, most most of us are genuinely nice people, and we just we want to be nice to people, and we want people to be nice to us, and we want to be inclusive, and and that's it. And I think sadly, uh, you know, there's there's a smaller group of people who are who are still lingering that are that are pushing us the other way a little bit, which is which is a frustrating thing to think about. But I think I could be wrong about this, but I think most people are good people. I think most people are. I think you're right because I think that's inherent in our nature because mm-hmm. we come from something that's good. We're sparks of something that's good. I believe that every human being is a spark of the divine and uh, we're sparks of that. So, you know, I, I believe that it's inherent in us to to be positive, to be good, to be loving. Um, there is a certain controlling faction that I believe, um, how can I put this, um, does not want to see that because it's not in their best interest. Of course. And it's not in their best interest because uh, they won't have the control. They won't have all of the money, the majority of the money. You know, um, they won't be able to uh, disseminate positions for people, status for people, um, and again, basically control of people, control of situations. Um, and I'm really happy that we're talking about this because the more people who uh, are aware of this and who think of this um, and who want to 
see changes in this and who make um, the necessary changes within themselves, because that's where it starts. It starts in each individual. Mm-hmm. You know, if we make the necessary changes within ourselves that we live a certain way, that's going to affect our family members, our neighbors, our community, you know, our, our, our states, our country, our sector of this planet, um, this region, then it will spread uh, uh, to the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to start within each individual. Um, so the more people who hear about this kind of thing, the more people who direct their energies toward that, I think, you know, the quicker this change um, will happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I, do, I do believe that people are, are inherently good. I, I have faith in people. I do too. You know, I, I I sort of have a theory about it too. That I think that that stereotypes and prejudices, I think that they stem from people. Like we tend to fear what we don't understand, and I think that where a lot of this comes from is that you know I don't understand African American culture, and maybe African Americans don't understand Italian culture, and you know Italians don't understand Hispanic culture, and different things, and so we tend to just fear what we don't know what we don't understand, what what is unlike what we are used to. And I think it just, it comes down to, to openness and learning about other people and learning about other people's cultures and, and learning about, uh, uh, you know, sort of where we all came from. And I think that if we can get there, then that's where I think it, it, it starts or it gets better. And that's my theory on it. That's my take on things. Uh, so I don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's a lot of truth there. I think you're right. You know, I think that, um, you know, people uh, in um, Afghanistan want the same things for their families as people in uh, Japan or as people um, uh, in Australia or as people in the United States. You know, we want our families to flourish. We want, um, you know, everyone to do well. We want people to to uh, be healthy and be happy, you know. And so I, 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 I believe that all people want that. You know, I think governments want something different. Mm-hmm. But I think people all want that. You know, if you go to Israel, um, you go to Jerusalem and no matter what faction you're looking at, no matter what side you're looking at, uh, each side wants the same things for their families. Yep. Other things get in the way. But I think when you just look at people, if you go to someone's household, they want to be able to feed their families. They want their families to be happy. They want them to, to, uh, uh, be healthy, you know, um, and everyone wants that. Mm-hmm. So it's, the other, <laughs> the other energies that come in that want something different, that want to control or want to uh, um, uh, change people um, or dictate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the individual people. Right. So I, I, I would agree with you, and I, and I would say that you're, you're certainly correct. Um, we just have to as you know, the, 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 the people have to, um, really make sure 
that we are focusing, um, directing our energies uh, and doing the actions and the deeds uh, that make um, loving societies happen, that make, uh, that are accepting, you know, of the different variations in the human species. And to me, you know, there, there's only one human race. Mm-hmm. And as I learned from, from one of my teachers, um, Dr. Jewel Pulkram, there's only one human race. There are just race variants. So because if you take someone's skin off, it's all the same. Right. If, if you cut somebody's hair, take their skin off, that structure is exactly the same. It, yep. There's no difference, you know, unless somebody has some sort of mutation, you know, and born with two hearts or, you know, uh, three lungs or something, right. you know, otherwise it's, it's all exactly the same. So the dressing is what's different. You know, my hue, H U E, my coloring is different, let's say than yours or different than, you know, my husband's or different than the next person's. But does that make it bad? No, right. it does. It makes it beautifully different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I love, white roses. I love red roses. But do I always need to see uh, a bouquet of only red roses? I think only red roses are gorgeous and I love receiving them. But I also love to see all the other colors too. I think that they're all beautiful. And to me, that's, that's, that's what we are in, in, in the human race. It's, it's variants of, of the same element. Mm Mm-hmm. And even if you look at all red roses, each one is different. (laughs) So funny story. I just had a phone call with the fine folks over at Mapex. And then they put me on mute on the call. Why? Because they're coming out with some revolutionary stuff and they didn't even want me to know about it yet. And you've probably seen some of this stuff on Instagram where they talk about a breakthrough in resonance or a breakthrough in sound isolation. But here's what I got out of them. I know that there's going to be six or seven revolutionary ideas when it comes to drum building that they're releasing with these products in the fall. It's a new concept for drum building and a revolution in sound production. You can follow along the whole conversation about what the heck is going on over there at Mapex by following the hashtag built from the sound up on Instagram or just visit their Instagram page and you'll see what I'm talking about, about their secret cryptic messages. But do that and keep an eye out in the fall because I get something really amazing coming out. I just don't know what it is yet. (laughs) Look, drummers, we know that we sit at the back of the stage, but everyone knows the band revolves around us. Why? Because we set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, we set the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans Drumheads with Level 360 technology. Thanks to 360 technology, Evans Drumheads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find that sweet spot. Now, the tone that you want will be always the tone that you get. Check them out by going to evansdrumheads.com. Now more from Cindy Blackman. I have a question about, with women in drumming specifically, that I have an issue with this idea of there's a the hit like a girl contest, which I've sponsored every year. And I, I think it's great because it gets women into drumming. But I don't like the idea. I don't like the name and I don't like the connotation of saying, okay, they're, you, but you're separate than men. There's... 
the men drummers who do their thing and then there's the women drummers and i'd love to get your take on it of because i i like i like inclusion so i don't think there should be a difference between the two i don't like i said i don't like the name i I think it's implying that you hit or you play well for a girl and i don't like that uh I, i just don't like it personally um do you have any thoughts on that I surely do. <laughs> you know, I like the fact, and I, I would agree with you. I like, I like your perspective. I like the fact that um, it involves um, women and girls in in playing an instrument that they might, at still at this point, be shy to go for or might not have the opportunity to go for. Although that has changed a whole lot, but I've never. Uh, supported it because I don't like the title. I don't like the connotation and I don't like the separatism. You know, I believe that, you know, my hands don't know whether they're female or male. They only know whether they're making that line that I want to play or whether they're not, mm-hmm. whether they're doing what I want them to do or whether they're not. And if they're not, then I just need to practice some more, you know? Um, so I, I don't, I don't like, making a separation i don't like it when somebody says well you're the 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 best woman drummer i've ever seen well how about drummer right sure you know i'd rather be compared to if if there's going to be comparison which that's a whole nother topic you know but to to say you're the best uh woman drummer to me is just like saying you know you're the best fat drummer i've ever seen what's (laughs) that you're the best bald drummer I've ever seen. Right. What that What's that supposed That's, to be? It doesn't mean any, it's stupid. You right, know, right. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're the best, uh, I don't know, um, whatever idiotic thing somebody can come up with, fat, bald, white, black, you're the best rich drummer I've ever seen. You're the best poor drummer I've ever seen. I've right. never seen a drummer play like you. Well, that's stupid. You know? <laughs> Especially uh, when you when you dumb it down to that, right? Like, yeah, 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 like oh, you're the best short drummer I've ever seen. It's like, what? Wait a minute, yeah. And it's a dumbing down, you know. So I don't, I don't like that. I don't support that, you know. Um, and I never even used to take questions about the quote unquote girl topic. You know, I, I used to just dismiss them and say, well, you have to ask me something else, or else this interview is going to be real brief. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I decided, you know what? I'm going to start taking those questions. Because I want people to know how I feel. Right. And I think it's important for people to to hear uh, opinions about that. And I feel that it's important that people hear my opinion about that. And so um, then I started taking those questions um, for that reason. Uh, and, and that's the way I feel. I, I, I don't support that. I don't I don't think it's uh, necessarily healthy. Right. Um, and I guess my, the reason why I, I asked specifically is I, I don't know the answer to how do you empower more women to play drums without there being a division between male and female drummers. And I don't know, I don't know the answer to that, but I think having a contest called hit like a girl is not the way to do it. And that's just my personal opinion. I don't think that's the way to do it. I think the way to do it is inclusion. I think the way to do it is acceptance I think the way to do it is um, doing away with any prejudicial element. You know, how do you 
how do you include um, black people and white people and Chinese people or uh, 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 Asian people, um, uh, Tibetan people? How do you include all of them in the in the job market or in the life market? How do you include people? You include it by using that word inclusion. You include them by uh, being non-judgmental of somebody's um, hue, their color, you know, or their culture or their background. You know, you include it by being non-prejudicial. You include by by accepting people for who they are, you know. So I think there are ways to do it. Um, it just needs to be done. And I, th- I, I appreciate the fact that you talk about it now because I think it's important, especially, especially coming from someone like you, uh, who, who has one, you know, the history in, uh, in the industry talent wise. Uh, and I think that you have, I, you have a voice and I'm glad that you, that you talk about it now. So thank you. So what is at, at this point in your career, I mean, you've achieved so much and you continue to, to push boundaries, but what is it for you? What is, what is the legacy for you? What's the most important thing uh, in, in your playing or, or the things that you're doing or the things that you are leaving behind for others? W- what does that mean for you? Impo- most important thing I, I think for me uh, still at this point is to, keep improving myself um, towards that virtuistic goal that, that I want to, to reach. Um, that is my personal for, for me as a, as a drummer um, for me as a member of this human society uh, as a spirit it's very important for me to touch people's hearts when I play, to bring people together, to help them forget that they have any kind of issues of prejudice, of, you know, of, of, of pain, of, of whatever, so that they can feel their, their own heart centers. And when you can feel your own heart, then you can, then you can begin to, to love other people. So it's very important for me to be able to touch people um, in order to try to help bring people together so that we can make positive changes on this planet. This realm is really important. And I, and I, and I tell you, um, we're here to, to, to learn. We're here to, to grow and develop. We're here to remember this is a journey of remembrance because I believe that we all come from the spark of the divine. We all come from that source, whether you call it God, whether you call it Allah, whether you call it the universe, we all come from that. And I believe that our journey is to remember that, to live that, to be that, and to show that. And I think that's why we're here. 
And this this realm, this earth, this planet that we live on is to be enjoyed. I'll tell you, my 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 dad, um, and this is not a sad thing, I'm not saying it to be sad. My my dad recently passed. He transitioned. And um sorry to hear that. I remember well, thank you. I'm, I'm not saying it to be sad or for sympathy or anything. I'm saying it because um, there were a lot of incredible things that I observed about him, especially towards the last period of his time here uh, in this form. And one was the way that when I would take him out or we would take him out for a ride, the way that he would look at everything, the trees, the way that he would admire the grass, the, the water, the mountains, the view, the skyline, the sunsets and the sunrises, the way that he admired all that was incredible. I just think about how he looked at everything and he was really taking it in like he knew that he was about to go to another realm another mm-hmm. stage and it was like he wanted to get as much of this in as he could before he left you know yeah um and so it really gave me a much greater and deeper appreciation for this planet so another thing that that i i aspire to do is to help people see that we need to appreciate this mother earth that we need to love this earth because this organism, we are a part of this organism. This organism is us. And so when we damage it, we're damaging ourselves. So again, you know, that's, that's another thing that, that I want to do here is to inspire people to, to love this earth, inspire people to appreciate this earth, um, which will help us love ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that we don't live that way every day. And I guess we just, we take it for granted, right? We, we don't, as cheesy as it sounds, we don't stop and smell the roses. Um, but getting to that place of, of consciousness, awareness, and, and gratitude for the things that you have every day or the, you know, the, the running water or the sunset, like you said, getting to that point. I think that people would be a lot happier if they got to that point and they realized how amazing it is that one, that you're even alive and two, you get to live on this and on this beautiful place and three, yeah, we need to take care of it because there's people who are coming after us and we want it to be as beautiful for them as it is for us. Absolutely. So I don't, you know, Hopefully we can we can get there uh, we can get there with that as well. So if people want to follow along with the stuff that you're doing or or keep an eye on on what's coming up next from you, what's the, where's the best place to do that? Uh, my website is a good source. Um, my social media is a good source. Posting a lot of things on Facebook these days. Posting a lot of things on Instagram. Um, I have a new record that that um, that is. Uh, pretty much completed the music's all completed. We just have to complete the logistics uh, for the record. Um, it's called give the drummer some. And um, I'm really happy with this, with this record. It's a very different record <laughs> than anyone that I've ever done before because I'm basically debuting uh, my, my singing on this record. So awesome. I'm singing. A lot. 
Yeah, doing a lot of singing on this record. Um, this is the first record you ever sang on? Of my own, yes. Yeah. I, 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 well, you know what? I, I did a, a record that was a, in tribute to Tony Williams, and I sang a melody on that, but I wasn't singing like you know vocal songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also sang a song that I wrote on Carlos's last record, the the Santana Isley record, which is called Power of Peace. Um, I wrote a song called I Remember, and um, I ended up singing that song in tandem with uh, uh, um, uh, Ronnie Isley. Uh, he, he sang on, on the song as well. Um, but now this is, this is my record, and, and um, so this is kind of full out singing with um, probably seven, I think we're doing seven might be seven vocal songs. I don't remember. Nice. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of songs, and um, I was very encouraged. I've been very encouraged by my mom to sing for quite some time, and never did it really. Um, quite encouraged of late by Carlos to sing, and um, Michael Narder Walden, who's a, a a a great drummer, but really also a a, a great producer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He heard my my, the one song that I did on Carlos's record, and he told me that he'd like to produce me. And I said, you can't produce me, man. Come on. I'm not a singer. I, I just <laughs> did that. You know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a drummer. I'm not a singer. He's like, Cindy, I can produce you. Trust me. And I said, well, <laughs> but you work with people who really sing. You work with Whitney. She's, she's, you know, that was an angelic voice, right. you know, for the ages. Are you kidding me? You work with Aretha. I, I, you can't, I you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I don't expect to be either one of those incredible voices. Uh, cause my main thing is still a drummer, you know, but, uh, he did say repeatedly and he convinced me that, you know, we should work together and that he could produce me. And he did, you know, and we, we co-wrote some songs. Were you friends prior to that or no? Um, yeah, we, we were, we were friends. We've, we've, because he's, um, really good friends with, with Carlos. And so we've, we've worked together, uh, prior and, and we were certainly friends. Um, and we became even better friends. Um, we're, we're now, uh, godparents to his new son, which is obviously we're pretty close. Um, but he, um, yeah, he, he, uh, and I, we, we, we co-wrote songs together and um they're they're really amazing we did um uh one song that we didn't write and he asked me if i was going to cover a song which song would that be uh he said what would your top three choices of a song that you would cover and then of those three what would be the song that you would would want to do and i told him that the song that i would want to cover would be imagine because I love the message, mm-hmm. I love the song, mm-hmm. I, lo- I, 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 I really love that whole vibration that John Lennon created and that he had, because I think he was a very loving individual. Um, and so we, we did Imagine. We did a version of Imagine, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and it's also, uh, this record is, is uh, it's a guitar heavy hitter record. <laughs> <laughs> because Carlos is on a bunch of tracks and he's 
killing it. He sounds great as as usual. John <laughs> right. McLaughlin is on two tracks, and he is the same fabulous, incredible, uh, outstanding John McLaughlin that we all know and love. Uh, he's playing amazingly on 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 the stuff and that he's on, of course. Um, Vernon Reed, uh, who was Carlos calls him. Vernon Vernon. <laughs> Vernon is on it and Kellen. Kurt Hammond is on it and he's oh, incredible. Nice. Um so we you know it's really it's 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 quite guitar heavy. Um hopefully there's gonna be a track with, with with the guitar player from my band on it. I'm I'm not sure whether that track's gonna be on the record yet because we have so many tracks. We're trying to just we have so much music that might be on the on the next uh record. Um, but Aurelian Budnick, who's who's in my band, uh, is a great guitar player too. Um, so it's got you know a lot of energy, a lot, yeah, lot of yeah. fire on this record, a lot of different dimensions um, because there are a lot of different type of songs on there. Uh, so I'm really really looking forward to this coming out. It's like I said, it's a very different record from any record that I've ever done. I'm excited to hear it. When are you expecting to release it? Thank you. We're, we're looking forward to it being released in the first quarter of, of the new year. Awesome. So uh, um, hopefully February. I was wanting it to come out. I wanted to come out right now. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have to pull my guns and, and you know, wait for the logistics to to come in line with, you know, where, where we are in terms of the readiness of the music. Uh, and then then it will it will be released. So hopefully, you know, um, February, March, um uh, somewhere around in that area. Awesome. How are, are you releasing it just digitally? Or are you doing uh, physical or LP or uh, vinyl or anything? Certainly digital and uh, CDs. And and um, we're talking about the, the vinyl. I, I definitely want to do some vinyl because that's my favorite medium. Me too. Um, yeah, I love. I love the sound. I love the fact that the artwork is big and you can see everything. And you know, I just I love vinyl. You know, um, so want to do some vinyl printings as well. We're, we're, that's still in discussion in terms of the hows and when that will happen. Um, but certainly it's going to be released uh, in a digital format and, and uh, in the CD format um, and hopefully uh, as well soon after or at the same time uh, uh, vinyl. Cool. Yeah, I've been I've been slowly building back up my I, I used to I've a ton of vinyl before and I got rid of it all. I've been slowly uh building it back up and I went to my in laws house and they had hundreds of vinyl and they were like, Oh, we're getting rid of all these. Do you want any of them? And I'm like, I'm probably not gonna like any of these. I start going through, it's like the Stones, the Beatles, there was a bunch of Carlos's stuff in there. Also and I was like, I'll take it all. I was like, just give oh, it all to me. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> I know. I could. I was like, oh, I, I mean, like, I think every Beatles out, al- not every Beatles album, but like the White Album's in there, Abbey Road's in there, Sergeant Pepper's in there. And I was like, I'll just, just put them in a box. I'll take them all with me. Yeah, give them all to me. I'll take them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I hear you. <laughs> so if your record comes out on vinyl, I'm going to get a copy on vinyl. So I'll add, awesome. it, I'll add it to the collection. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, well, we've been doing that. And, and Carlos has a new record that's coming out, too, which will be after my record. Um, his record is going to be incredible. It's really based off of um, a lot of African rhythms and African inspired uh, music. Um, it's called uh, When Africa Speaks, the World Listens. And um, so that record's going to be amazing it's 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 already amazing um 
the the Santana band is on the record, uh, plus um, one offering from a beautiful singer whose name is Laura Mbula. Um, and then the rest of most of the singing is done by another incredible vocalist. She, she's amazing. Her name is Buika. And um, she's who her voice is, is so sultry and, and rich and full and her whole temperament and, and, and attitude is, is really incredible. So that's going to be another great record that comes out. And prior to, to both of those, actually, um, Carlos has a trilogy, uh, the Mona Lisa trilogy that's going to be released. And um, on one of those, um, we did, uh, I'm playing on one of, one of those of the trilogy that has, um, it's, it's beautiful. It's got strings, um, voice, which I believe Nard is singing on that. Uh, Carlos is playing oh, is on it. And, yeah. And we invited uh, Ron Carter to play on it. Awesome. Uh, we, we were listening to the track and, and they were saying, well, what do you think about the about the bass? And I said, you know what I think about the bass? I think we need to call Ron Carter. <laughs> <laughs> who else you, were, I mean, it's like you call, you know, it's like who, who else you going to call? Well, uh, you know, I mean, I hadn't even spoken to Ron in, in, in quite a long time. And they said, well, we don't we don't have his number. And I said, well, I have a number that I've had since the 80s, you know, and I think he still has the same number. I, I he still lives in the same uh, home. I, I I know. I mean, I've heard. Um, I'm gonna just give him a call. And so you know, I called him and and we sent him the music. We made the invitation, and uh, he accepted. So it was it's awesome. So that that's also uh, some great music. So there's some exciting things that are that are that are coming out. That's awesome. I can't wait to check all this stuff out. I'm super excited about it. I'm, I'm, if I know that I'm excited about it, I can't even imagine how you are because I know what it's like with the record. You're like, I wanted it to come out. I wanted it to come out last week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I, I can't wait for it to come out. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> well, that's I awesome. I can't wait for this one to come out, and then I can't wait for the next one to come out. <laughs> right. <laughs> All in due time. All in due time. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, Cindy, I want to uh, I want to thank you sincerely for taking the time to chat with me. Like I said, I've been trying to, or I've wanted to have you on the podcast for such a very long time, and have been following your career over these many years. So it's great to actually sit down, chat with you. I appreciate the energy that you put out in the world. I appreciate the music that you put out into the world, the positive messages, and all of that as well. And I just, again, thank you for for being a part of this. It really means a lot to me. Oh man, me too. I, I, I'm really, um, appreciative and grateful that you invited me on and I love the conversation. I love everywhere that we went and, uh, I, I appreciate so much what you're doing. And so please keep it up. We, we need people like you. We, we need this information to get out and we need positive souls. So gratitude and thank you so much, Nick. This has been a, a, a pleasure and an honor. Of course. Likewise. Thank you so much. I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to that. Right, thank thank you. you. Thank you. There you have it. The one and only Cindy Blackman Santana. I hope you dug that. Like I said, I've been trying to get her on the podcast for a very, very, very long time. And I was so appreciative that she took so much time to chat. Just an amazing drummer and an amazing human being. And just pumped pumped that I got her on here. So to check out the show notes, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 434. And other than that, I'm out of your air. I'm out of your ears. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.